You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You can hold that till the end. Who knows? You know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, It's good to see you. It's good to be here and to be back. And uh, I'm excited. And in case you're wondering, um, Pastor Rick is our pastor. So if this is your first time in here or the first time online with us, uh, Pastor Rick is usually up here. My name is Timmy. And uh, I'll tell you this. This is what I tell everybody. Pastor Rick, he's just a man, but he is one of the best ones I know. And uh, he is truly uh, a wonderful pastor, him and Annette, they're incredible people. I know he's listening, you know, so I got to say some good things. <laughs> but, but for real, uh, if you're just getting involved here, he's not an introvert, so he likes to connect with you, and uh, he, he loves this church, and he loves the people, and so don't hesitate to reach out to connect with Pastor Rick. He would love that, and uh, for the most part, he, he doesn't forget names, which truly is pretty impressive, and so that is that. Uh, I'm excited because Pastor Rick said, hey, we just finished up a series uh, that was called Are We Antioch? We were looking at the early church, how they functioned, how God was kind of preparing them for who he wanted them to be in the world, and how ultimately they were our example, right? And so we just wrapped that up. Next week is Pentecost, and so that's where truly we celebrate God gave his spirit to the early church. So Pastor Rick said, hey, uh, you can literally preach whatever you want. So I was like, perfect, let's go heavy law, right? Old Testament. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I was like, let's just talk about Jesus. That feels like a good thing to do. So we'll be in Luke 5, Luke 5, 1 through 11. You can get your Bibles out, and uh, I'll read, and uh, maybe it's on your phone or on the screen. You can follow along. But uh, this is early on in Jesus' ministry, really just the beginning of it. And this is going to be an encounter he has with one of his first disciples. And uh, in this story, his name is Simon. His name later gets changed to Peter. And so I'll probably say Peter for most of this message. Uh, If you are kind of new to this, and this is a new story to you, Simon, Peter, he's the same guy. So Luke 5, uh, if you're there, say amen. Okay, good. All right. We got, I got to bring a little extra. You know, I'm your coffee today. All right? So just stick with me and we'll be all right. And it's nobody's fault other than the water. So don't get mad at anyone else here. It's just the water in Bethany. All right. Luke 5. Luke 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So this is a pretty cool part of scripture because Jesus would have been uh, speaking, no doubt, from the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. But what else is really cool is that we know from John that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the message tells us that the Word put on skin and bone and moved into the neighborhood. So what's really exciting from this first verse of Scripture is that there is a revelation of who Jesus is. He is talking, no doubt, from Scripture, but they are listening truly to God himself. And so that's pretty exciting. That is free, and that is not a part of the message, but I wanted you to have it. So verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, 
Master, we have worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled their boat so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw, that, saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. We're almost done right here. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. It's a good passage. Let me pray quick, and we'll get into it. God, thank you for this morning, this time that we get together, that no matter what, we can just kind of let go. And we can think about you. We can be aware of you. And ultimately, this passage and everything we've been doing is pointing us in a direction that you want to be with us, that you love us, and so we are here for that. And so I ask that, uh, yeah, you just hang out with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> so my wife and I, I talk about her a lot. Anytime I get up here, I can't help it. I love her, and she gives me a lot of material, right? So we have been married six and a half years, and we have a little girl, Teddy Jane. She's 11 months old, okay? Uh, one of the things that I don't feel like uh, you guys are preparing new parents enough for is that apparently it is illegal for everybody in your home to be healthy at the same time, right? <laughs> Somebody is sick every day, and uh, so that was something I wasn't quite expecting. But before any of that happened, my wife and I, I've told the story before. You'll have to go back and watch in the archives about how we got connected and how I introduced myself. But we got connected at SNU, and, and once we started to court, uh, I finally got to a decision where I said, hey, let me propose. Let me, let me ask her if she wants to be my wife and we can do life together forever. And, and so I did ask her, and she said yes. And we figured, like, you know, why wait to go to counseling? Let's just start it right away. So we did premarital counseling, which was a great decision. I'm super for it when you're about to get married. And we go to, the, to our uh, counselor, and he says, hey, there's a couple tests that I want you guys to take. It's going to help me figure out who you are and how you're going to work together within a marriage, right? And he said, so this test is like, it's, it's a reality test. We're going to find out where you're at on the spectrum of being really negative, pessimistic, based in reality, or overly optimistic and positive, right? And so he was, we take the test, and he goes, Emma, you did amazing. Let's talk about you first, and then we'll deal with him. But you did really good, because on the test, you scored a 51. That's one point away from being perfect, like, unbelievable way to go. That's going to be a really positive attribute for you to bring into your marriage. Like, you see things as they are, not too negative, not too positive. That's going to be great. I wasn't listening to all that. Because he gets to me, and he says, Timmy, you, uh, you scored a 96. I was like, yes! Right? Like, that's the best I've ever done on any test I've ever taken in my life, Doc. That's great news. And he was like, um, well, so the problem is you are extremely positive, extremely optimistic. The issue is, like, you don't live in reality, and so everything for you... Yeah, I, I wouldn't even plan on that being funny, you know. Uh, <laughs> everything for you needs to be a mountaintop experience. 
You need to be speaking in front of a thousand people to feel alive, right? Like you're always going to be trying to make things better than they are. So the issue is, well, life has moments of mundane. And so if you're always trying to live way up there, you're going to kind of be frustrated by just the regular ups and downs of life. And that could be a challenge for your marriage. Can you talk to me a little bit about kind of what you're hoping for and what you're, you're envisioning and seeing in your marriage? And I was like, first of all, doctor, I'm still having trouble letting go of how good 96 was. So <laughs> there's that. And I was like, look, here's the honest truth. You know, we go on the honeymoon. It's going to be great. We come back. I just figure we skip some of the stuff that most people go through. We're pretty good, right? So I just want a strong healthy, vibrant, 50-year marriage right away. Can't we do that? And he goes, okay, I'm, I'm starting to see why you scored what you scored. <laughs> and at the risk of stating truly the unbelievable obvious, that takes 50 years, man. <laughs> like, and that was kind of his point. And he goes on to just kind of say, look, in life, there is a process. There's a journey there's ups and downs, and, and you just have to accept that, and you have to be part of it, and, and I want to give you the tools to kind of walk through that in your life and in your marriage, and obviously, I listened a little bit, and we walked out, and here we are, six and a half years later, learning some of those things, right? So what's my point? My point is, man, I think that's a lot of how culture operates today. I think uh, in general, obviously, many of you in this room, you're a lot wiser than me. You've been around a while, and you understand that life is a journey. You understand that there are ups and downs, but I think we all live in the same time period, and we're all being marketed by the same kind of stuff, and so what do we all want? Well, we all want a life that we want one day, but we want it now. We want everything that we can have right now. It's exactly how you're being marketed as a human being and as an American consumer, right? You can finance your way to fulfillment. No need to wait, okay? So in many different areas of our life, that's kind of our goal. Let me see how I can get everything all at once right now. Now, that's just being a regular human being in our society, but I think in our uh, Christian lives, in Christendom, it is kind of spilled over as well. I think it's kind of easy to sometimes feel like we should have everything in our Christian lives that we are promised, right? Scripture makes it pretty clear that we can have a life above and beyond anything we could ever dream or imagine, that God gives us the desires of our heart. And so if you are new to following Jesus or considering following Jesus, uh, or maybe you have been following Jesus for a long time, it's easy to kind of step into, well, my life's immediately going to get a lot easier once I start living life with God. But what does God do? He starts transforming our minds. So, so now our opinions start to change. The things we say start to change. The way we want to spend money begins to change, right? Some of the people that we're around, well, that starts to change. And so life actually gets a little bit harder, not necessarily easier. And so we're thinking, man, like why... Why isn't it as good as I thought it was going to be right now? I thought my life was supposed to change in an instant. I remember I was baptizing a guy one time, and this story is going to make me look bad because I apparently didn't teach him what baptism was all about because when I baptized him and brought him up, he goes, is that it? <laughs> I was like, yeah, we gotta, you got to go to the class again, buddy. Like that's, uh, and so that's how we can kind of see our Christian life. And maybe it's even like, man, I really thought God was going to help me get over this sin. 
that shortcoming. I just, I just thought that as soon as I gave my life to Christ, it would be over. But, but boy, we just see that maybe that's not how life works in general. And I don't think that's necessarily how God works. He works different all the time. He is mysterious. His ways are above our ways. But he does give us some examples of how he operates. And so that's why I love Luke 5, because it's a, a human example of, okay, how do we move through this kind of situation in our life? So we see that Jesus shows up uh, by the lake, and, and Peter's over here. Uh, he's had a tough night. He, he's washing his nets. He didn't catch anything, right? Like, that's really tough. It's like mowing your lawn without the blades on it, right? And having to clean the mower afterwards. Like, what's the point, right? So it's his livelihood. He didn't catch anything. Jesus is there. He's teaching, and, he, and he's talking about the kingdom of God, and it's inbreaking power. And all of a sudden, he sits down in Jesus' boat. So Peter's probably like, okay, yeah, didn't know we were that good of friends, but there you are, you know? And all of a sudden, he looks at Peter, and he has a request. And I think this is a first observation that's going to be important to us because he says this to Peter. Will you put out a little from shore? Hey, Peter, will you just put out a little bit from shore? That's my first request, just a little bit. And we know that Peter then does that because it says that Jesus sat down and began to teach because Jesus wanted to have a little bit better platform and he's able to use what Peter has. And Peter says yes to that little request. One of the reasons I think Peter's able to say yes to that is because of a theological word that uh, we kind of throw around. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called prevenient grace. And it's the grace that goes beforehand. It's the grace that God uh, uh, gives us and extends to us to actually allow us to turn to him. And so sometimes we hear the phrase, and maybe you've said it, I've said it before, and it's not a big deal. But this phrase and this idea about, I found God. The day I found God, everything changed. Well, I mean, like, it's, you know, here nor there, but, like, you didn't find God. God's always been around. He, he gave you the grace to realize that he was there and to begin living life with him. And so Jesus offers that grace to Peter, and Peter says, yeah, I would. I can do that. I can go a little bit, which shows me that, man, God is never going to necessarily ask us or call us into something that he's not going to be there with us for, right? And and this isn't like the theology necessarily of like, God, you know, will never give you a battle you can't handle. I, I, I don't know. I don't really fall in that line because I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about God. But God is going to be with you and he's going to give you the ability to take that little step. And it reminds me of, uh, of the story that we opened up the Are We Antioch series with. And maybe you'll remember it, but there's this man, Ralph Horner, who goes to our church and he says, one day... I just felt an urgency. I just felt a little request from God. And he said, hey, there's people that are living life without me, Ralph. And, and, and I, I want to do something about that. You think we can team up? And Ralph said, you know what? I, I, think I, I think I can't take that little step. What do you want to do, God? And he said, what if we just started inviting one person at a time to church? Could you, could you get on board with that? And he's like, yeah, I think I could. I, I will step out in faith a little bit and start inviting one person at a time. And on the flip side of that story, we have Amanda Ford who said that one morning she just felt this overwhelming need to say, man, God, we want to get plugged into a church community. And she said her prayer was so simple that she literally said, what, is somebody supposed to just invite us? 
Like, is that what you want, God? Like, someone just invite us? If that happens, we'll say yes. And she just began to take a little step of prayer saying, God, I'm going out a little bit. Will you answer this prayer? I'm willing to step out in faith a little bit at a time. I think sometimes we can even kind of understand that, right? Like, hey, faith is stepping out a little bit at a time, but sometimes we don't necessarily know what to do. And that's why I love so much Pastor Rick's uh, open arms prayer. And maybe this is where you are as a Christian today, speaking specifically to Christians. And you're thinking, man, I do, I kind of have that feeling like Ralph as well. And, and we've said this prayer before, and we will say it after this service, but it's this prayer right here that I think is a great little step that you could step into, and let me read it for you. It says, Father, bring someone into my life today. Give me the wisdom to recognize them and the grace to open up my arms to them. That's not me selling everything and moving to another country and being a missionary, but that is me saying, hey, God, I'm ready to go out a little bit. Can you use me? I want to step out in faith. And so long before Amanda or Ralph ever did that, Peter did that. And Peter said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go out a little bit. And so Peter's probably not thinking much of it. Jesus is getting close to the end of the sermon. I'm sure that he had communicated with the worship leader and said, hey, when I say this word, why don't you come out, start playing the harp, right? Make it sound a little extra spiritual. And so Jesus is wrapping it up. Peter's like, it's a good word, man. Let's get in. It's time to eat. And Jesus looks at Peter, and here's the next part of how God operates when it comes to our faith and walking with him. And he says, hey, Peter, you, you stepped out, and we went out a little bit. But now i got another question for you. Will you put out in the deep water? Can we go a little bit further? And, and can you let down your nets? This time it's, it's only for you. And Peter says something that really encourages me because there's times where even when you're hearing a message, you know, you can get excited about it and you walk away later and you're like, yeah, but boy, the thing that I feel like God's asking me to do seems a little scary. And Peter says this to God, which is, is he doesn't necessarily know it's to God yet, but he goes on and he says, Master, look, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Basically, what does that mean? I'm frustrated, Jesus. I don't want to have to do that. My nets are already washed. That would be a lot of work. And so the reason I'm encouraged by this is because sometimes, and we're doing a lot better as a church. We really are as a church in a whole. But for a long time, there was this kind of, you had to mask your emotions. You had to fake your feelings because you didn't want to seem like you weren't in step with God. And so uh, if you had feelings that seemed a little off or if you were frustrated, like, yeah, you must not be praying hard enough, right? And we're doing better. That's not really how we see things anymore. But it does remind me that, man, God can ask me to do something and I don't have to be in the best mood about it. I can be like, ah, just like Pastor Lewis said, not all my neighbors are great. God, we got to invite them to dinner too? Like, what if we skip that house, tell them we accidentally lost the invitation, right? He's like, you'd be lying. <laughs> and so you can be frustrated. However, it goes on. And Peter says, but because you say so, we will drop the nets. So the encouraging part is, God, I can be frustrated with you. I don't have to fake my feelings. You want the real me. Otherwise, what's the point of this? 
But for us, as Jesus followers, something that makes us different than every other person and every other human being and even uh, popular wisdom when it comes to culture is that we do not allow our feelings to be what direct our actions. Instead, it's our faith. We let our faith direct what we do. So I can be frustrated, but I can allow my faith to say, yeah, but God, I trust you, and I've been taking little steps, and just one after another, I believe you're leading us in the right direction, and this is what you want us to do. I'm not in a great mood about it, but I'll work on it, right? Like, and I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to be honest. And they do that, and Peter goes, and he throws his nets over, and, and all of a sudden, he starts catching all these fish, right? Just so many fish that other people come, and they have to uh, start filling up another boat. And, and that's the cool thing about the way that God blesses, that often when we step out in faith and God begins to bless you, like it has ripple effects, and it starts touching the people around you. Like, hey, because this thing's about community, not just isolation. God wants to do a thing in the world, the whole world, and so he's going to use you to start impacting the world. Just like Ralph Horner, who said, one at a time. One at a time, I will start inviting. And Ralph said he got to a place where he has a list of over 7,000 people. Now, there would be times where I assume that Ralph has said, God, I don't know about going to that person. But he did it anyway. And he just kept doing it and kept stepping out in faith. And one day... He is at a Sam's, and that's what he said. He said, I would go to the Sam's Club. I would go to Walmart. I would go to the gas station. I would go to the ice cream shop. Pastor Rick's like, amen. Mm. That's a good word, Ralph. And I just started inviting people. And so he finds himself in the aisle at a Sam's Club, and who comes walking down the other end? Amanda. And he says, hey, do you have a, a, a church home? And at first, Amanda's feelings are like, ah, yeah, we're good, man. Thank you. Because we know what it's like. You know, you don't know someone. And we know that Ralph's not a stranger, but to her, he was. And he says, well, I'm at BFC. If you ever want to come, we'd sure love to have you. And she walks around the corner and she says, oh, my goodness. God was like, hey, this is, what, this is it. I just answered your prayer, Amanda. Isn't that great? Let's go a little bit deeper, huh? And why don't you come to BFC and get plugged into this community? And she said, it's one of the best things that ever happened. And I love in the video, you can go back and watch it, but Ralph talks about how he was like, hey, a little with God is very much. A little with God is much. And he goes on to say that, you know, God doesn't write a check that comes back void. That's the difference between me and God. <laughs> His check always clears. And so blessing, right? Just the ability to step out in faith. And, and God saying, man, I'm right here. I'm so excited that I get to do this with you. And, and I want to bless you along the way. And that's exactly what happens to Peter. And Peter and them get back to the shore. And I'm running out of time, so i got to hurry. And, and they, they're at the shore. And uh, Peter looks at Jesus and he says, man, I'm, I'm a sinner. I really, I need you to get away from me. This isn't going to work. And Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, Peter, don't be afraid. But now, you've been fishing for fish. You're going to start fishing for people. So up until this point in the passage, it has seemed that we are focusing mainly on faith and blessing. And we are. That's a part of this story. I can't deny it. It's right here. It's very clear. There is steps of faith, and it's a little bit at a time, and there's tangible blessing. That is happening. But as much as it is about that, I think this message, and this is what, if you're taking notes, 
This is it. This is the, the home run. This is the main point. As much as it's about faith and blessing, it is more about presence. It's more about presence. Because if I'm Peter in this situation, and he says, you're going to stop fishing for fish, you're going to start fishing for people, I'm going to say, well, maybe we can do that in 12 to 18 months. But from what I just saw tonight, if, if you come on board maybe Tuesday and Thursdays, we can do pretty good. We can start expanding. We can hire some guys on. I'll give you 10%. How's that sound, Jesus? But that's not what Peter says, which makes it seem to me that Peter's less impressed by his own faith, and he's less impressed by uh, the, the blessing that came with it. I'm sure he liked it. That was a good week for him. But more than anything, he is impressed by Jesus and the presence that Jesus carries when he's with him because he does exactly what Jesus calls him to do, and he says, yeah, I will leave everything, and I will follow you. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Totally flipped the way that I was going to preach this. And I was like, God, you're telling me that you just want to spend time with us. He's like, yeah, that's it. So you're telling me that, that Peter, replace Peter's name with anybody else's name and whatever career they have, and you can use their career and you can use their life. And yeah, that's exactly it. I just want to spend time with them. And so I was like, okay, can you help me, uh, kind of give me an illustration of this? And this is how God works, right? And so uh, this past week, we, had a, uh, we put Teddy down in her bed. And she, it was time, for, time to go to bed. And as so we put her down, and uh, a couple hours later, her camera went off. Because, you know, I'm a millennial, so there'll be a camera in her room until she moves out. <laughs> and so something went wrong with the camera. And um, I had to go in, and I had to fix it. And so her crib is against the wall, and I had to, I had to unplug it and plug it back in. Because that's all I know how to do with technology. And so I had to stick my hand back behind the crib, and I had to unplug it. And as I did so, I didn't want to, I didn't want to wake her up, so I wanted to be careful with how I was hitting the crib with my arm. So I had my little flashlight, and I flashed it on her, and she's just passed out. She's good, man. She's just asleep. She has no idea I'm in there. And I thought to myself, maybe it was God telling me, or maybe it was me. And I said, hey, you're in here to fix a problem, but you would be foolish to not spend some extra time in here. And so I plugged it in and I come around the crib and I'm just looking at her and I'm just listening to her little breath. And I'm like, that is my daughter. She is mine. And to steal the words from Pastor Rick, it terrifies me the things that I would be willing to do for her because of the love that I have for her. She doesn't even really know me, you know? But I'm just looking at her and I'm just obsessed and I'm, I'm tearing up and as I walk out, you know, I'm not... I'm not like hyper-spiritual, but I do try to raise my awareness of God. And I was like, God, that's what it's like with you? And he's like, that's exactly what it's like with me and you. I just look at you and I just think, man, I love you. Man, I want to have a relationship with you forever. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. You already have. It's okay. I just want to be with you. It's about me spending time with you. I just love you that much. And maybe you're in here and you're considering this Jesus thing and you're like, yeah, but Tim, how can you say that? We had to have a special time of prayer this morning because what you were able to do, there are parents who will never be able to do it again. How can you say that a God like that, that loves us so much, he's not a part of it? And, and I'm like, you're right. I don't have all the answers. I never will. I never pretend I do. If somebody starts to give all you give all the answers to you, like get away from them. But this is what I know. 
That, that what I've chosen to believe is that there is a God who created everything. He created the whales, the dolphins, the coral reefs, the oceans in which they live. He created the trees, dogs. All dogs do is love us. Like that's the best thing ever, right? He created elephants. He created food that literally grows out of the ground. And then he created human beings. And he breathed life into us. And he put his unique fingerprint on us. And he said, man, I just love you. And somewhere along the way, a separation happened. Something that God didn't want to be a part of uh, his intended plan. But he said, hey, nonetheless, I will do what is necessary for this separation to be mended. And so 2,000 years ago, a virgin gave birth. It's a mystery to me. But it, it's what's in the text. And, and 30 years later, that man shows up at a lake. And he says, hey, man. I'm doing something pretty great. It's a new kingdom. Life's going to look a lot different. I want you to be a part of it. And, and, and this is going to be an interesting journey because for the next three years, I'm going to heal people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to do the things that God does. And I'm going to explain that I'm connected to the Father. He and I are one. And you can be connected to us as well. And people are going to be pretty upset about it. But that's all part of the plan because they're going to they're gonna arrest me and they're going to kill me. But they're actually not. I'm laying my life down for you because the only thing that I can do to defeat death is go there myself. Because no human being can come out the other side. But God is like, here I am. I'm going to do it and I'm going to make sure I'm bringing you with me. And so when I say yes, no matter how low or how down you are in your life, if ever you're laying there and you're like, man, are you sure that there's a God that loves me? Are you sure that I can actually step out in faith? And I'm like, look, he did it. He did it. He came out the other side. And, and on that Saturday, there was a day where some of the disciples, they were locked in a room, man. That's how scared they were. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. And some angels go to a tomb, and, uh, and some women go to the tomb, and they're greeted by two angels. And the angels say, hey, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Which I think is a funny question, because they're looking for the dead, man. Jesus was killed. It's over. And they're like, no, no, he's been raised. And over the next 40 days, Jesus revealed himself to them saying, hey, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I'm here. And that's why over the last 2,000 years, 12 guys and some other people that were locked in a room have led us to what we now know as Christianity. It's not just because it was a good idea. It's because Jesus was like, this is my plan because my ultimate goal and my obsession and my passion is you. And I will do whatever I can to redeem my relationship with you. And I'm almost done. So the rest of the band can, is it just you, Pastor Nick? It's just Pastor Nick. And these are my closing thoughts that as I look at it and as I connect even with that part that I just explained, the gospel, in two and a half minutes, there's another observation that I want to, to point out. And it's this. It says, one day, one day, that's it. That was the first two words of this verse. One day. It's not the Sabbath. It is not a Jewish holiday. It is not the climactic part of Jesus' ministry. It's just one day. And for Peter, it's just one of those days. It's a bad day. It's not good. This is his livelihood. This is his family. It's, he didn't catch anything. But on one day, middle of the week, work day, Jesus shows up. On a, on a bad day for Peter, 
And geographically, I just think it's an interesting thing to note is that they are at the uh, Lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, which is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. And so Jesus comes to you on just a regular middle of the day week when you're having a bad time and even geographically points out that, man, I'll even come to the lowest parts. Which for me to accept this God and believe that Jesus loves me this much, it's noting that I don't have to have it all together, that as I start to step out in faith, I can still come with everything that I am. I don't have to mask it. Jesus is like, you're feeling down. Share that with me. You don't have all the answers. That's okay. I just want to be with you on your worst days and on your best. Whether it's in this life or the next, we win. And it's because of Jesus. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. We thank you that, that when we're not enough, you are, and, and that we don't have to have all the answers, that you're just a mystery, and that we can just step out a little bit at a time, and, and no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, you want to bless us, but more than anything, we just want to make sure we're focusing on you, that you're moving our life, and you're going to do the work that is necessary and I just ask, no matter what, where anybody is in this room or if they're watching online, that, man, you would just meet them. You would let your presence be known. You let them know over the next week or two how much you love them. Do it in, in mysterious ways that maybe we would just say, oh, that's a coincidence. But, but we know that, no, it's evidence of your love breaking in. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.